Hello, creeps. Welcome to the Horror Vanguard. I'll be your ghost. I mean host for today's exciting tale of terror. The girl with all the gifts or Deluso Guitarian dead. <laughs> Hello everybody, and welcome to another episode of Horror Vanguard. I am John, better known as the Liquid Guy, joined as always by my friend, comrade, and co-ghost, Ash. Ash, how you doing? I'm, I'm alive and well. <laughs> as always, during this uh, trying time, we are talking about uh, pandemic and virus movies, and trying to explore the ways in which horror can help us all collectively process what it is that we're living through. Um, today, we're going to talk about The Girl with All the Gifts from 2016, uh, which is, a re- if you've never seen it, is a really cool, really interesting zombie film uh, based on the book of the same name. I, what did you think, Ash? What do you think? Um, I thought this was really good. I really like fungal takes on zombies. Yeah, it's a fun. It's fun. <laughs> There's some fun guys. <laughs> Okay. Ah. <laughs> no, but I, th- I think I think that's a it's a it's a really interesting exploration of, of of things. You know, like humans don't really have to deal with fungal infections too much. When when you compare us to insects and reptiles who are seriously threatened by like fungal incursion, um, you know, like like there are there are literally fungi that control the minds of insects. You know, and like completely hijack their own life cycles for the fungus. And it's just like, it's interesting to see the, the, the kind of anxiety and tension when we explore those spaces with our own mortality. Yeah, I, I, think, I think we sort of mentioned, I think in the episode on Wreck, I tried to come up with like the different kinds of zombie that you get. Um, you know, we had the, the biomedical sciences, created zombie, the radiation zombie. The fungal zombie is a pretty rare one. Um but is based on, as you point out, is based on actually existing, like, species in the natural world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not, all the other zombies are like, like, out of of all the zombies, this is the one I find to be the least, actually, no, I take that back. This is tied for least outlandish. You know, like, like, the, the the viral infection zombies, like, eh, bacteria, eh, but like, the fungal zombies and like, like like the kind the kind of zombies like like Night of the Living Dead where we're like we really don't know what caused the zombies in Night of the Living Dead they kind of just happen and then like there's a bunch of like you hear on the radio about this meteor but you don't really know if that has anything to do with anything and it's very mysterious you know like the the fungal zombies are right up there for me with like zombies with no known origin mm, yeah um and in a way in a way like the lack of origin isn't really a problem because of the perspective this film is told from oh i like that too i like i like the lack of like i'm i'm really happy there was no like uh, in in 1998 a deadly space meteoroid crashed into a military research lab then it landed on a mushroom farm or some horrible like convoluted... and this was the result yeah yeah, yeah. um and I also really like this film as a great example of uh, the sympathetic zombie. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. Because there was a big trend for that. 
in, around that this time actually, uh, but perhaps not quite as well developed as this. Um, there was warm bodies. <laughs> I was going to say, are you was, thinking of warm bodies? <laughs> I was thinking of warm bodies. There was uh, Shaun of the Dead. Yep. Uh, which which was a great zombie zo- a rum zom com. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there was uh, and of course there's the classic the Romero one the Romero one from the eighties where it turns out like the zombies. Uh, are acquiring a kind of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Oh, which one am I talk- thinking about? Can't remember. But uh, this is this is one of them. This is one where we have zombies who are. Uh, there is a kind of consciousness there, and that's part of what makes them threatening. Yeah, yeah. Especially, especially like I mean, I suppose we're getting to the movie now, but um, our our uh, main main character is is a little girl named Melanie. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she is a second generation uh, a person infected with this fungal zombie strain, right? And and what that means for her is that she has this insatiable craving for living flesh, but she's she's also a, a relatively normal human, right? She's not like visibly rotting away, you know. She she doesn't have like you know zombies are usually like. You know, like like they're crazed. You know, they can't think, they can't process information. They just attack and consume. She's she's a normal little girl. She can think, she can feel. You know, she she explores the world like a human child. Um, but you know, mm. she, she needs to eat people. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, we've talked about this before that that's actually one of the things that makes children generally such an effective uh, part of horror. Right? Is that children are capable of doing. Um, they have their own kind of morality and their own kind of consciousness, but also they're capable of being violent and dangerous and acting in ways which seem completely mystifying to to adults that watch them. So, yeah, she's she is uh, just a, a little girl who really likes her teacher, but she also happens to really, really, really want to eat people. I mean, it's relatable. <laughs> I find myself in a very similar predicament most of the time, <laughs> and it's the way that you relate. Because if if then these they're, they're not called zombies in the film, they're called hungries. What's really interesting is the way that these because the, there's a whole host of these children. Uh, what's interesting is the way that they're treated by the two principal adult characters. Uh, talking about Helen and um, it's Caroline, isn't yeah. it? So one of them sees them as in need of educating and and taking care of and the other sees them as a, a resource in which that can be used and exploited yeah they're 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 an experiment right because because like you know like this is all in a militarized context too right it's the military and the scientists working with the military who are experimenting on these second generation infected children because they believe that they can extract a cure to save humanity from these kids mm-hmm but that brings up of like, how do you behave during a crisis, right? This this is supposed to be like the state of exception. Things are not the way that they should be. What are you going to do? And so the militarized response, uh, exemplified by Carolyn and the soldiers, is like, you have to, you have to make things go back to normal. You know, like like obviously, obviously, we're going to draw parallels to our current condition. <laughs> But but there but there is that response to try and return things to normal, but it's it's very stealthy. It's it's a very tricky trick that that if if you're if you're a clever lad, you can pick up on because they're not trying to return to normal. 
they're trying to return to a normal that's significantly better for them that's significantly better for power yeah right like the the american context is one of the best examples of this right now because like while covid's been going on like the fda has temporarily paused inspecting food the the epa has has like uh, uh shuttered a lot of its environmental work mm-hmm. and it's like and they're like oh we're, we're doing this because it's a crisis and it's crisis time and these things have to stop but like i, I mean like another great example of this is british austerity oh right? yeah like, so much of that austerity comes out of world war ii and it's oh no it's world war ii we have to we have to do all of these extreme measures and then the extreme measures never stop uh, yeah, the the normalized states of exception, right? This idea that you can you create uh, an emergency, and in the emergency, you can do things like suspend civil civil liberties. You can uh, use the military to take over the organs of the state. You can essentially rewire the entire economy, but um, that state of emergency never ends. In the context of terrorism, I think what France has been under a state of emergency for years at a time. Um, yeah. Same here in the UK. There are huge sweeping police powers that this is a temporary and limited threat. Soon everything will go back to normal, especially in the context of of uh, the coronavirus. There was some. There was a bill that was introduced and made law, which was the idea that you could be detained if it was suspected that you were ill, uh, and this was going to be mm-hmm. this was going to be weaponized, obviously weaponized against uh, people of color and people who are not citizens, people who are undocumented. Who are already vulnerable to these kinds of legislative violences, right? So getting back to normal is, I think, as you say, it's just a way of disguising getting back to a normal that works for us. Right, yeah, and us, us here specifically are, are the ultra-wealthy or people in power. All, all of these things benefit them, right? They, all of these things are designed to increase the bureaucracy, to limit access, and that's that's the that's the new normal that will be defended at the end of COVID by these people because these measures will be deemed eternally necessary. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like look at I mean like look at look at like everything that happened to American culture post nine eleven. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like how much of the militarization of police, how much of the increased scrutiny at the border, how much of like the very existence of the TSA and all of these things were were like temporary responses that are now permanent and eternal changes to society yeah and the idea of abolishing or maybe rolling those back is like it comes off as like crazy utopianism now if you go Mm -hmm. hey you know the tsa has existed for 20 years maybe we could get rid of it people are like what (laughs) how what and I mean, like, like it's so, it's so, uh, like, like absolutely vacuous too. The TSA is a great example because um, during uh, at the start of COVID, the TSA loosened its restrictions on on liquids you could take on a plane in order to allow people to take full size containers of hand sanitizer on board. Mm-hmm. And that and that 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 just reveals that like, oh, this isn't like a horrible exception. This is like a completely fabricated rule that's meaningless and offers no protection. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I mean, uh, there's, there's kind of like, uh, so there's, there's another side to, to, to this new normal conversation to things that are changing. And I think like, so we, we see, we see like a lot of like the bad <laughs> new normal stuff in, um, the girl with all the gifts, you know, the increased militarization, how, how society has become more authoritarian, how power is increasingly centralized. Mm-hmm. 
but like there's also um good new normal stuff that's happening there are good changes that are happening that are things that we can fight for and and are setting examples for things that we can hold on to in the future right yeah like like we're we're experiencing right now a situation that reveals that like all all of like like so many of our jobs are are just busy work you know we're just functionaries for capital that don't actually contribute to society and we can be free from that Mm mm-hmm you know, we're we're realizing right now, like like so much of like the capitalistic apparatus is pure fabrication. Yeah, it just exists to sustain itself. It has no value or benefit to society. Right, the world hasn't come to to a screeching, maddening, panicked halt. You know, because the the people in charge of distributing vital resources and producing them in the first place are we're still at work. <laughs> we're deemed quote unquote essential. This idea that like everybody has to go to the office in order to do their job has been revealed as complete nonsense. Um, this idea that uh, I think the rhetoric around like let's get things back to normal is really really telling because the question is should always be normal for whom, right? Who are you including? Mm-hmm. Who yep. who gets to have the quote unquote normal existence? Um, but also all of these things that we have been kind of repeatedly told are just the the fevered dream of like a madman you know this idea of uh suspension of mortgages and rent the uh suspension of utilities suspension of evictions the idea that uh maybe something like a universal basic income should be considered you know that before before uh the coronavirus outbreak became as serious as it is in places like the UK and and the US that would have been like politically unthinkable. Yeah, especially especially for like sitting American politicians in the Democratic Party to suggest things like that. Two months ago would have been like out- outlandish. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? It was it wasn't even on and like these are the things that we can hold on to and that we can fight for. Right? We can hold on to the idea that like rent rent doesn't need to be paid ever student loan debt doesn't need to be paid ever credit card debt never medical debt never like these things can be wished away if we have the will to make that wish um and this is so interesting in the context of the film because in the film you don't you don't go back to normal you know the apocalypse doesn't doesn't get kind of wrapped up and and glossed over because in fact what I really like about the book and the film is that they both explore the fact that those who are fighting to restore normal are basically now irrelevant. Actually, that there is a new kind of life that is that is emerging. I mean, we've seen it in the growth of things like mutual aid groups and community organising and tenants organising rent strikes. There are new forms of collectivity and solidarity that start to emerge. Um, and things that people thought were impossible, right? You know, Britain's lived through uh, a generation's worth of austerity and the idea of a social fabric has been kind of systematically pulled apart. But as soon as this kind of moment of crisis hit, like groups just sprung up, like, you know, like 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 plants after a heavy rain where the roots had gone like deep underground. So I think what I really like about this film is that it, it lays out that this medical military apparatus that is trying to kind of impose the get get us back to normal is in fact just a relic and it not only should it be destroyed it needs to be destroyed and you, you see you see that at the end of the movie so well right at the end of the movie uh they they visit the bt tower in london it's like this large communication tower mm-hmm. um in part of london 
and it has been completely overgrown with with uh, like this this forest like melanie refers to it as a forest it's like this tall complicated fungal structure and the thing is full of seed pods and they comment that if those seed pods were to open and release the the entirety of humanity would, would be infected by the fungus at the end of the movie melanie decides to to set the bt tower on fire releasing the spores infecting everyone right radically separating these these currents of humanity right you have you have like the the people who are trying to defend an old and normal this is a lot like the last man on earth it has a lot of that like carryover from it yeah yeah you have these people who are like trying to defend a new normal but what they're really doing is genocide yeah you know what, what they're really doing is just some of the most horrific crimes you could ever think of and then you've got this kind of new humanity this like i don't know like Deluso Guitarian rhizomatic structure that that's that's popping up and intersecting with itself at every possible vector. You know, these these like these humans that are that are second generation infected with this fungus, right? Yeah, they've become a they become a new kind of being. Yes, yes, they're new, they're monstrous, and they're connected. Mm. You know, even even like the hungries, like the zombies, they don't attack these second generation infected. You know, because they're they're in this together in a certain sense. It is a very Deleuzian horror film. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, abs- I com- I completely agree. I completely agree. And this notion that what does it mean to get back to normal, and how do we contest what we take normal to be, I think is really important. It's a really important kind of thing to hold on to at the moment because there's so much potential there's so much possibility like it's it's incredibly difficult and it may not be may not be uh victories that are kind of won permanently but i actually think there's a huge amount of potential for kind of reorienting reorientating how we think of the state and how we think of our role within it and what we think the function of the state actually is especially when confronted with something like COVID. I, I completely agree. And I think, I think like, <laughs> I agree. Um, but I think that, I think that the end of this film, it, it kind of provides us with, with a little bit of a stark warning though, because I don't think that this movie ends on a positive note. No. Right. Because the, the, the final scene of this movie. Um, so after, after Melanie releases the spore, Helen who has been like uh, like the good force, you know, wanting to teach these kids and, and help them uh, and not <laughs> use them as horrifying military experiments, at least not so severely. Um, she, she's kind of like trapped in like this hermetically sealed room mm. because she can't go outside because the spore has saturated the earth. And if she goes outside, she'll be infected and die. Yeah. <clears throat> and so she's, she's teaching the kids who are outside. Um, and Melanie is kind of like this like, has has emerged as this like authoritarian dictator that, who is yeah. in, who is in total control of of this group of both feral and and regular children and like we, you know we, we get we get this clip where they're sitting down for like a lecture from helen and melanie's just going around like yelling at them all telling them to sit down and like behave and stuff like that and so like we we start this movie in this weird authoritarian situation where like the military has just kind of like centralized all power into itself and this like eugenics laboratory Mm -hmm. and then we end with all the power kind of like centralized into melanie i think i think there's i think there's a warning there that we need to be really cognizant about how we replicate the same systems we're trying to oppose 
you know, yeah. because it's easy, it's easy to imagine um, the girl with all the gifts to 10 years later and Melanie is like a, a warlord faction leader of like second generation Hungaries, you know, and like it's like a large, complicated film. But to kind of go back to what you were, you were saying, if there is this new new kind of rhizomatic consciousness maybe that's the issue right how do you avoid replicating the systems that are being destroyed in this film is is through that new a specifically new kind of consciousness i don't uh, uh, i don't disagree that like the the film of the ending of the film is not necessarily that optimistic particularly for helen but it kind of shows what strikes me as interesting is the way that like education becomes passing on knowledge becomes an important point at which the old and the new the the old normal and the new emerging normality can kind of inform one another and the way in which you can kind of mitigate the potential disasters of the future is to pass on the information about what's happened previously yeah yeah i think that that's that's a really strong part of this film that that I, I would definitely like to see explored more if there's ever like a sequel or something. But like so, so much of our present condition is kind of premised on this idea that we have no historical memory. Like like um, I forgot it was um one one of like the early leaders of American labor once said that uh, the, the most dangerous thing in America is the idea of a long memory. Mm, yeah. You know, like the, the or I think I think that maybe I'm getting the source of this quote wrong. So don't uh, <laughs> don't pin me down on that one. But um, but but like we don't have a, a long memory here, you know. Under capitalism does not favor memory, right? Capitalism favors rapid advancement and progress into the future. Being able to think to the past, even thinking into the past mere decades ago, is kind of unconscionable. And like this idea at the end of the movie, like that one of the parts of the end that I did find kind of nice in a way is like. Um, after after Melanie calms down all of the like uh, uh, feral second generation infected children, she asks Helen um, if she, if she could be told a story. Yeah, and Helen's like, okay, no, maybe later. We'll 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 have plenty of time for that after we do your 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 lesson. And then Melanie's like, yeah, there will be plenty of time. And there's this idea that like one of the things that we're experiencing right now is time has slowed down a lot. Oh yeah, you know, like the breakneck crushing pace of capital has been absolutely kneecapped by everything that's going on. And like that has been kind of good. It's kind of showing us that we can slow things down, you know, that that we can we can like like effectively throw a wrench in the system and not have to live second to second like that. You know, we can we can lower the pace of this cycle. Yeah, absolutely. And we can start to restore that idea of a long memory. We can start to restore our connection to not just the people around us, but the people who came before us as well. Mm. I think that's a really important point and actually one of the ways in which you could read this film as having a more optimistic ending. Yeah, this is a great film. It's really interesting. I, I like the idea of thinking through the the zombie in a new way and I think the, inter the, the kind of development of what's the role of the, you know, if you're a child of the crisis, what does that mean for you? What What's the normal that you're going to grow up with? Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that's a really powerful part of this film. Yeah, I guess I guess as, as a means of a final thought, I will say that this is an unexpected but deeply moving sequel to the live-action Super Mario Brothers movie. So, <laughs> phenomenally done, everyone. Uh, what a way to end. What a way to end. <laughs>
well thank you very much for listening please do uh check out the girl with all the gifts it is a really fun interesting and thought-provoking film that uh manages to do some cool and interesting stuff with what could be a really sort of cliche and predictable way of dealing with the zombie wherever you are and 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 whatever you're doing stay safe uh stay well and we'll see you next time Thanks for tuning in, creeps. And remember, stay spooky. <laughs>